So, last, so I'm going to get you to cast your mind back a couple of weeks ago when we had lovely Jasmine giving us a sermon about the, the first session on what we're talking about, the economy of the kingdom. And it's about stewardship. And she talked about seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And it's really about putting things in right priority. She also talked about then one of the applications of that, which is how we use our time. And that we are um, stewards, if you like, of the time that God's... We've got limited time and where do we put the priorities in that? She also introduced us to the frame. If you remember, my filter is... And we had Andy doing a good job of a bit of a demonstration of that. Um, and this was really to help us to understand how we see the world, right? How we filter things through. We want to be able to put God first in everything. So it changes the way we think about things. So this session, put that, maybe I'll put it here for the moment. That'll be all right. Um, this session, we're going to talk about a principle and we're going to talk about um, one more expression of stewardship and how... Um, that kind of works out in our life. So we're going to talk about the principle of ownership and we're going to talk about who we are and our calling. So understanding the kingdom, the economy of the kingdom, requires us to see things from God's perspective. And to be quite honest, that's a mind shift. In fact, one of the songs we, we talked about, or we sang this morning, was everything changes when you get to know God. Yeah. And really, it's, it is quite a profound change that happens. Um, let me give you a little story. So this is a little anecdote. You may have heard this before, I don't know, but I, I find it quite, uh, quite interesting. So some years ago, there was a battleship making its way for some training manoeuvres in heavy weather. It was night and there was a heavy fog. And about midnight, the lookout on the bridge reported light bearing dead ahead. And the captain said, is it steady or moving? Because uh, if it was steady, it meant that they were on a collision course and they needed to do something. So the captain says to the signalman, hey, get onto the signals and let them know they need to change their course 20 degrees. So the signalman does that and the response comes back and says, the message that comes back and says, advisable for you to change your course 20 degrees. The captain said, send this message, I'm the captain, divert your course 20 degrees. And then the message came back and said, I'm a seaman second class, you'd better change your course 20 degrees. By that time, the captain's getting a bit annoyed. And he's saying, I'm a battleship. You better change your course 20 degrees. And the message came back and said, I'm a lighthouse. <laughs> so it's a bit like that, I think, in life sometimes. We call that a bit of a paradigm shift, if you like. It's like things aren't what we thought they were. We think we're in control. We think we know what's going on. And then sometimes God will do something and you go, whoa, I didn't see that. Whoa, what's happening here? God is moving. God is doing something. And once we get saved, once we cross that line of saying, God, you're my saviour, there's a shift of thinking that has to change. It changes all of our priorities. It becomes less about ourselves and, and more about God. We come to realise that God is over and in all. He is the creator and sustainer of the universe. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. 
that's actually really big. It's hard to get your mind around that because we kind of live day to day and we don't sort of tend to step back and think about these things that much. Um, and we come to realise who's, who's the real boss? What's really going on here? In 1 Corinthians 6.20 it says, You are not your own, you were bought with a price. So what's our role in this? Well, we're going to introduce this term called stewards, or stewardship, which we've seen uh, already a little bit. We are stewards over the earth. In, one, in Genesis 1.26, in Psalm 8.6 it says, in talking about the role of man, it said, you put them rulers over the work of your hands. You put everything under their feet. So we've been given a role on the earth to be the stewards on the earth. And in 1 Peter 4.10, it says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So here we start to see a bit of a change, don't we? That all of a sudden, life is not so much about us. It's more about God and what he wants us to do. That he's given us stuff and he wants us to do something with us, with it. And that's kind of the, the role of a steward. We can't take anything with us. So this is an interesting, when we talk about the economy of the kingdom of God, the economy in the world is make lots of money, get comfortable, uh, you know, do well, all of that sort of stuff. But we can't take that with us. The only thing we take with us is our relationship with God, our character, in other words, the work that he has done in us to make us more Christ-like, and the good works that he has inspired and done with us. It says we will get recognition for those. Everything else kind of doesn't matter. It changes a lot, doesn't it, when you think about it in those terms. It really does. So it turns out this is a bit of a blessing in disguise because when you think this through and you go, hold on a minute... This is a benefit to us. It releases us from materialism. It releases us from pride and saying, hey, look what I've done. Look at the, the masses of you know, assets that I've got and the financial position that I'm in. It's all of a sudden, well, maybe that's not about you. <laughs> maybe it's you're meant to be using that to bless other people. Uh, and it also helps us when something's taken from us. I remember years ago as a fairly new Christian, um, we were a young, struggling family on one wage, two kids, and the car broke down. And I'm going, we don't actually have enough money to pay for this. I don't know what we're going to do. And that kind of dawned on me as a new Christian. I thought, hold on a minute. Does God own everything? Does he own my car? He does. Okay, God, this is your problem. You need to help me with this. You know I need a car. So now all of a sudden there's a bit of a burden lifted. And you know what? God did provide. I can't remember how he actually did it, but he did provide. When we realise that everything that we have actually belongs to him and we're just as stewards of it. So the challenge is though, we all have a tendency, everyone does this, we want to hold on to things, don't we? We want to kind of protect what we've got because the world might take it away from us. You know, the challenge is we have to be able to surrender that. We have to be able to surrender everything to God. Surrender pretty much all that we own, all that we have, our family, our finances. We have to be able to surrender even ourselves and what we do in life. Our vocation, uh, our work becomes surrendered to God as well. That's the paradigm shift, isn't it? It's like a real shift in your mind and thinking about how that's going to have to change. But our destiny is set, and this is really exciting. When we make that decision to get reconciled with God by grace, we're saved not by works. So 
We can't earn, you can't do anything to earn your salvation. It's a gift given by God, right? All you've got to do is accept that gift. And through, the, through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. And it's one of the things actually that I think sets Christianity apart from pretty much every other religion is that you have to do nothing, right? He will accept you exactly as you are. All you've got to do is accept him and what he's done for you. Once we've made that decision, we become a child of God. He becomes our father, right? And we've already heard this morning how great he is. One of the things that comes with this is the discovery that we're actually made for a purpose. I know as a non-Christian, I had no idea this was going on. But each of you, every single person in the world was made for a purpose. Um, we were created for good works. We are his masterpiece. He's still working on us. In Ephesians 2.10, um, which we'll look at in a moment. All of us were created to make a difference in the kingdom of God. And by discovering what that purpose is and what that calling is, we can find ultimate purpose and fulfillment and fruitfulness and joy. In Jeremiah 1.5, it says, God said, Before I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you. Before you saw the light of the day, I had holy plans for you. Isn't that awesome? So before you were even born, he'd already thought about what you were going to be like and the plans that he has for you. Changes things, doesn't it? None of you are useless. None of you are, you know, think yourself, why am I here? You know, what, what's, what's life got for me? Um, you know, I'm nobody. Well, God says something different. He says he has a plan yeah. for you. And that's really important to understand. That's a change in your mind, isn't it? We were created by God to make a difference in the kingdom of God. And some of you might be feeling like, you know, even life where you're at at the moment, you think there should be more to life than what you're going through at the moment. Maybe there is. Maybe God has something more for you, right? Let's try and seek him. Let's try and understand what that might be. So we are God's workmanship. Let's unpack that Ephesians 2.10. So let's uh, have that up on the board. Yep. We are God's workmanship. So that's a present tense. In other words, it's saying he's still working on us. He will continue to work on, on us all through our entire life. He doesn't stop working on us once we get saved. In fact, I think the pressure comes up a bit to help us to become more Christ-like. So he's constantly refining and leading us. He started a good work and he will finish what he started. We were created for God's workmanship through Jesus Christ or created in Jesus Christ. Coming to Jesus is the first step. Your calling to serve him has been assured through that. So it's almost once that line is crossed in terms of making the decision for God, he's got you a destiny for you. There are unique um, things that he wants you to do. We're created in Christ to do good works. We each have a task, a, a mission, a purpose. We're all different and we'll see that in a moment. So he's prepared that in advance, which God prepared in advance, for plans which you are specifically and carefully reflect your role in his unique creation. In other words, he's got something specific for you. But that's pretty amazing because sometimes we look at other people and we go, I could never be like that. I couldn't do that. I'm never going to be successful like that. Well, that doesn't matter. God's got his own destiny for you. Each one of you has a destiny in him. And we just need to be able to seek him and try and follow that. So he has work for us to do. All we have to do is step up. 
I kind of like, um, I'm going to use this frame here for a moment. The story of Gideon is a great one. It's like Gideon is looking in a mirror and he goes, I'm the least of the tribes of Israel and I'm the least of the least of the tribes of Israel. And then God's saying, mighty warrior, you're going to change the destiny of Israel. It's like how God sees us is a whole lot different to how we see ourselves. And I found that fascinating in looking at uh, in the life of Gideon and how he managed to step up and uh, had a few little trials with trusting God, but he stepped up and changed the destiny of, of Israel. Right? Each of us, we may not be changing the destiny of Israel. We may be changing the destiny of a family member. We may be changing the destiny of a work colleague. We may be changing the destiny of other people um, that we come in contact with. But we're all uniquely designed. Have you heard the expression, square pig in a round hole? Who's heard of that before? A few people? What about horses for courses? Yeah. We use those in work, at work situations all the time. And I, I like the square peg because it kind of um, fits a little bit with what actually happens. Anyone been in a, an experience where you work with somebody and you go, clearly they're in the wrong job? You know, it's like the square peg in the right, round hole and they're trying to make it work and it's painful and it's, you know, it's just not, it's not really working very well at all, you know. What we want to try and do is find the right people for the right positions in the workplace. And the horses for courses, I'm not, I'm not a horse fan or whatever, we just had the Melbourne, Melbourne Cup recently, but somebody once explained to me that horses go through generations of breeding for the type of course that they're going to be running. So if they're doing um, jumps, probably got, there's a name for that I think, but <laughs> the jumping ones, um, <laughs> they, they, they do training and they have they bred their DNA right is set and they're trained to do that kind of course. So if you put a horse that's supposed to be jumping on a track that's long distance, it's not going to it's not going to cut it. It's just not going to make it. It's probably going to break down before it even gets through the race. So horses are specifically bred. And just think about that expression. Each of us has a course, and we have a DNA right that's specifically built to to last that course and be successful on that course. So what makes us unique? I love this little, um, I think it's called an acrostic. Um, and it starts with the word shape. And it's about spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personality and experience. And we'll, we'll go through those in a minute. But our shape determines our calling. I think it was Rick Warren in the Purpose Driven Church and 40 Days of Purpose where this was first introduced quite a few years ago now. Anybody did 40 Days of Purpose? Yeah. <laughs> You may remember this. <laughs> um, so our shape determines our calling and where can we can be most effective. The thing is with this is that everyone is a 10 out of 10 in something. You may not know that. I know I didn't in, in my past. We have to, you haven't probably discovered it yet is probably what the, the main issue is. Uh, I used to say I've had a very, very strange career. So I've probably had... I don't know, five or six actually completely different, disconnected almost careers from, from engineering to HR to creative stuff to consulting to all sorts of stuff. And at 50 years old, I still used to say to people, I don't know what I want to do when I grow up. It's like, I don't know, I've tried all these different things, but nothing kind of really fits, you know, nothing really seemed to, to find the right way forward. And I think in the last 10 years, God's Use that experience in all of those things that I've done to find where I can be most effective in the kingdom of God. And I'm starting to, 
to really uh, discover that more and more. Not saying I'm there yet, by a long shot. So our shape, let's have a look at this. So spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are divine abilities distributed by the Holy Spirit to every believer according to God's design and grace for the common good of the body of Christ. So God has given us spiritual gifts. In uh, Ephesians 4.11, there's the fivefold gifts. Unfortunately, we don't have time today to unpack all of these. I know um, actually uh, we've had a little bit of teaching around that past and maybe Pastor Greg can come back and do some more for us on that. So fivefold gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds and, and teachers. Um, 1 Corinthians 12.4.11 and Romans 12.4.11 uh, talk about a whole lot of other gifts as well. Um, Gifts of wisdom, of faith, of healing, of miracles, of discernment, of giving, of mercy, right? There are lots of different things there. And sometimes it, we will have more than one. And you will see the people around you that perhaps uh, have those gifts. This is a little illustration given by Rick Warren in, when he's uh, teaching this course, which I thought would be useful. So it's a bit trivial, but hey, you get the idea. So somebody, you're at a, you're at a church group. Uh, maybe it's a function or whatever, somebody drops the dessert, the only dessert that you've got. The mercy gift would say, oh, I'm so sorry, are you okay? The preaching gift would say, well, maybe that's what you get when you're not careful. <laughs> the serving gift says, don't worry, I'll clean it up. The teaching gift would say, well, it's because you're a bit overbalanced and maybe you had too much on the plate. The exhortation gift says, that's okay, it could have happened to anyone. The giving gift would say, hey, here's my dessert, take mine. And the admin would say, hey, Jim, can you go and sort that out? And Sue, you go and get a new dessert for us. You know, you see how all of those things work. And this is the thing, we're all different. So we, and it, some of the problems we have sometimes where we start to compare ourselves with other people and go, well, I'd like to be more like that. But maybe God didn't make you like that. You have a, you have a gifting in your area and it's a matter of discovering that and trying to flesh that out. In uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 12.4, just read the start of those, that passage. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it's the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. And it goes on and lists a number of the, the things there. So these gifts are meant for the common good. They're meant to be used in blessing other people. The gifts help you to show you, you know, what, where you can exercise your work, your activity in the kingdom of God. We look at H, heart, which is really our passion. And I find this one interesting too because, um, you know, in my life as a Christian, you've come across people that are so passionate about a particular cause or people group that it's almost like that's the only one that matters and you go well there's other people groups too so it's all about the babies or it's all about the youth or it's all about the older people or it's all about people with disability and you know we need all of those god puts on our heart a particular passion for either a people group often or a cause it might be a cause you might be passionate about something that's happened happening in your community or whatever and he's put that on your heart that kind of helps us to direct us where we're best spending our time in those areas. So everyone is different. We're, when we're aligned with God and our passion, 
is his passion is worked out in us and it draws and energizes us. And it kind of comes back to that scripture that says, you know, that um, not the one now. <laughs> it's about how our heart, when we pray for what we want, God will bless it. But it's not just what we want because the passion on our heart is what God actually wants in that situation. We're aligning those things. The abilities, that's our natural talent. Some of us have a great memory. My wife is awesome at memory. At memory, I am terrible. Don't tell me anything. I say to people, if it's not in my diary, don't expect me to turn up because I won't, won't remember. <laughs> Charles can relate to that. Might be music, memory, singing, athleticism, technology. Some, who's good at technology? Who hates technology? <laughs> There's a few there. Some of us are naturally good at that. Sometimes it's learned ability, though, as well. We've learned to be, to be good at that as well. God uses that. Our personality is another aspect that comes into this. So that's the P of shape. Whether an introvert or an extrovert. If you don't know me, let me just say, I'm, I'm an introvert. <laughs> I find it hard meeting people. I find it hard with small talk. I've been in the church for a long time, but, you know, hard for me to get out sometimes. There are people like me all over the place, right? And it's kind of how God built us and we've got to work with that and we can work around it in some cases, but it's naturally who we are. Some people are creative and some aren't. Some are really structured in terms of their thinking and some are more spontaneous. Like my wife and I kind of have this interesting conversation sometimes. She's not exactly a spontaneous person and I asked her permission to say this, so I'm not going to get into trouble. But she would say, I can be spontaneous if you give me a week's notice. That's the way she's built, you know, and we know that. The family knows that. We all know how to work around that. Um, the experience that we've had too, good and bad. So some of us think we're not usable because we're going through a you know, difficult time or, you know, my life is a mess or my life has been a mess. God can use that and God will use that. It doesn't matter where you are at, God will use you where you're at. Uh, and it's, it's interesting, too, that sometimes out of the hurt and the pain, you're in the best position to actually help somebody else because you understand it. You have that sensitivity to it. So we each have a unique contribution. Let's read this scripture out. We're not going to go through all of it. It's 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 12 to 27. And I'm going to skip through some parts, but let's start with the start. So 12 says, there is one body, but it has many parts. But in all its many parts make up one body. It's the same with Christ. We're all baptised by one Holy Spirit. And so we are formed into one body. It didn't matter whether we were Gentiles, Jews, slaves or free people. We're all given the same spirit to drink. So the body is not made up of one part. It has many parts. Suppose the foot says, I'm not a hand, so I don't belong to the body. By saying this, it can't stop being part of the body. It's attached. We skip to, to verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, how could it hear? If the whole body were an ear, how could it smell? We skip to 21. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In verse 24 it says, But God has put together all the parts of the body and he's given more honour to the parts that didn't have any. In that way, the parts of the body will not take sides. All of them will take care of one another. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part shares its joy. You are the body of Christ. Each one of you is part of it. Let that sink in for a minute. We're all, we all belong to the same body. We're all part of it. 
We're all working together to try and uh, build the kingdom of God, build each other up. Right? And we work in those areas, when we work in those areas that we were designed for, we experience the best outcomes. I work in a secular uh, field and um, do some working with businesses and across a number of different things. Anyway, what I find, though, is that the secular world is almost just catching up with some of this. Um, we live our best life when we are operating within that sphere of shape. When we are aligned with God's purposes, serving him, we will find that we are at our best. Not only will we be blessing other people, but we feel joy, fulfillment, contentment in what we're doing. Um, when you're not in alignment, we can do other things, but it just means it's not going to be as satisfying. It's not perhaps going to be meeting the need as well as somebody who is the right person. We've got in the square, per square peg in the round hole. They can do it. It's forcing the fit, but sometimes they can do it. But it usually leads to burnout and disappointment. And when we see people that have served in the church, you know, there's an expression that's been around for a while, the calling, the need doesn't justify the calling. That means just because there's a need doesn't mean you have to jump in and try and fill it. Now, if it's an emergency, sure, we're all one family, we'll all try and help each other out. But long term, that's probably not good. If that's not your fit, if that's not where you're meant to be, right, let's work in the areas and let's work to try and help each other to find out where is the right place for us to fit. Um, recently, I had experience with a lady who's doing, this is from a secular point of view, uh, doing a tour around the world. She's written a bestseller book called Multipliers. And guess what she discovered? That when people find what she called their native genius, which guess what? Is their purpose and ability yeah. and gifting, they find they get a, a double the amount of work out of those people and their morale, their well-being goes through the roof. So when we're in the workplace, they're just discovering the fact that, hey, people... You know, if you get the right balance here and you get the right people in the right jobs, it has a tremendous flow-on effect both for the business and the person. Even the Japanese have a philosophy called Ikigai. Probably haven't pronounced that right. <laughs> has anyone heard of that, Ikigai? Yeah, a few people. Um, and it really translates to something like worthy life. And they've understood for a long time, I think, that when you align people's passion with their ability, with a need in the community, right, that's a worthy life. When you understand how those three things fit together, and in fact, there's another one on the end of that that says you make income from it, that becomes then the full package. You have a, a vocation, if you like. So the world's kind of twigging on to some of this too, but we've known this in the Bible for a long time. And examples of how we can use our shape. Um, let me just give you an example of square fit in a round hole and a round fit in a round hole. <laughs> Um, sometimes I've been asked to go on the door. As an introvert, it kind of doesn't work that well. I'm not that good at that sort of thing and I find myself more shying away from people than rocking up to them and trying to welcome them and make them feel welcome. It's just, I find it hard. I can do it, but I find it hard. When you get somebody like an Ian Fisher, is Ian here today? Probably not. I don't know. Online, Ian. Man, he blessed us when we first came to this church. Talk about a gifting, right gifting and a blessing. Right? He made us feel so welcome, so a part of the church. He connected us in with other people. Right? He made the difference in terms of us coming into the church. So that was an example of where the right fit can make all the difference. You know what I mean? 
So the question is, what's God got for you? What's on your heart? Where do you think maybe he's calling you? Are you some of you are already doing it, and that's fantastic. That's awesome. Maybe you can help the people around you to do it as well, find their calling as well. Uh, sometimes we've just got to take the opportunities that are in front of us. Sometimes it's small steps. You know, There is a, a scripture that says, you know, start small, take those small steps, and then God will bless that to go forward. So, um, And the evidence of the right ministry is the fruit. So what you often find, and that's, that's difficult when people are learning because it doesn't always happen straight away, but when you know you're in the right job, people will tell you. They go, wow, thank you. You've blessed us. You've blessed us. You've, you've done an awesome you know, thing, whatever that, ha- whatever that happened to be. So there are so many ways to church to serve in the church, you know, and we've got so, um, Sign Up Sunday, and you'll see in the foyer, in just in the back down here, uh, and in the um, cafe area, there's a number of stages set up there. So we have, I can't remember the number, 11 teams, I think I counted, about 11 different teams working in the church. If your passion and gifting aligns with those, have a chat to them, even if you're not sure. Because sometimes we've got to experiment with these things. You know, sometimes we can do gift tests and stuff like that. Gift tests only work if you know your bit about yourself. They don't work that well if you don't know what you don't know. So sometimes you've got to try things and go, yeah, I don't think that's my gig, like I've done for the last 50 years with my job, you know. Um, <laughs> But anyway, you know, the other thing is there's church projects, there's events that are coming up. And I'm going to know we're starting to, to, to uh, understand there are some people in the church that are really good at event management and we need that, you know. Thanks, Amy. No. <laughs> so, you know, that's going to make it better for everyone if we have people that have that passion and gifting to work in that space. Uh, we've got some Christmas events coming up. Uh, informally in the church, you know how many people have got a gift of encouragement and just go around and encourage people and bless them and lift them up, that's just all, pray for people, you know, that's just awesome. It doesn't have to be a formal role. And you can also, um, when you notice that when you start to work in the church too, one of the things being having been around in church for a long time is when you start to work in the church and work and feel a part of it, you feel connected, you feel like you're a part of what's going on here um, and it becomes your home. There's an investment, a buy-in. You know, in terms of this is this is my place, this is my people, this is where I'm meant to be. Because uh, often we find people that aren't connected, aren't serving. And it's like there is a there is a relationship there. I'm not quite sure how that works out, but there is a relationship there. But there's also outside the church. You know, there are we have missionaries in the church. We have people that are doing awesome stuff out in the community, out in the world. Um, you know, even even in your workplace, in your school, you can be that beacon. You can be that light to shine the, the gospel into those places. Just work the way God made you to be. You don't have to be somebody else. Um, and you can work as a volunteer. In, in you know, There's various different um, things out there. I recently found out, didn't even know that there was a thing called Christians Against Poverty. That's one that I'm interested in. You know, I'm thinking, yeah, I think we could probably help people to overcome that. There's many different missions out there. Think about where God's calling you. Or it could even be informally, like I said, um, even in the community. Not everyone's going to be on the stage. Not everyone's going to be uh, holding a microphone. Um, But everyone is significant. Jesus said, you can't even give a cup of water to somebody, right, without him noticing. He knows what you're doing and he will bless it and recognise it. 
You might be thinking, oh, maybe I did try serving in the church and it didn't work out so well. That's part of life, unfortunately. Sometimes we've got to try things. I've done, <laughs> I've done six different careers and I'm still exploring what, what that means for me. Some of them worked out, some of them didn't. You know? Sometimes it's not the actual job, it's the organisation. Sometimes it's the team that you're working in is not conducive to your personality or to the way you work. And we've got to try, th try things out. So don't give up. God has a purpose for you. And he's given you gifts that are meant to be used. So we often learn from that. It's part of the refining process. So the challenge. We first need to settle this issue of ownership, that we are stewards with God's manifold gifts and grace. We don't actually own anything, right? Even, the, even those gifts and those abilities he has given to us for the service in the kingdom. But understanding this changes everything because it shifts some of those benefits it shifts our understanding to say we don't actually have to hold on to these things. God will bring blessing. God is Jehovah Jireh. He will bring about these things for us. And then we need to ask the question, um, you know, God, if God owns everything, how can I be using that? So what is my gifting? What is my resources? What is my time we talked about? How can we be using that in the right way, the right priorities? What is our shape? How's, how does our shape, you know, if you think about it in those terms, what does our shape uh, direct us in? We're still alive. God's still got something for you. Nobody is useless in the kingdom of God. God has something for you. Even if it's just small, it doesn't have, you don't have to be changing the world in one go. God has got something for you to do that will bless others and it will bless you. So it's really trying to discover what that is. So what, you, what do you think your calling is? What do you think God's um, got for you? How can we help you to get there? We can be asking that of ourselves, but also of the people around us. You know, how awesome would it be to be saying to people, hey, what do you think God's calling you to do? And can I, what can we do to help you to get there? Man, imagine that. Imagine if everyone was fully engaged, you know, in, in, the, in the kingdom of God. We can be our true and authentic self. We don't have to be what other people have told us to be or other people's expectations of us. We can be who God made us to be and know that that's going to be enough and that's going to be a blessing. So imagine the new ideas. I think of the number of people we have in this room, the number of ideas that you guys have in terms of how you can reach people, change things, whatever it is, you know. There is so many people out there that I'm sure have got great ideas. And can we help you to get behind you, to support you, to be able to do that? That would be awesome.